Recently, this past June, uh, the Cayman Islands hosted a conference at the Chamber of Commerce. This conference was called the Queering Paradigm, and it featured a Church of England bishop who vigorously expressed a view of marriage that's far different, that's very different from what we see in the Bible. And as a direct response to this queering paradigm and the attention it was sort of it was garnering, the uh, pastors from the Cayman Minister Association, a number of them, decided to put together an alternate forum called the Family Values Rally, which actually takes place t- this afternoon at the Lions Center. And after prayerful discussion, uh, not only amongst us as elders, but also having listened to some of my my dear brothers, who are the pastors organizing this rally, and listening to alternative viewpoints, we have decided to neither promote nor participate in this family values rally. Uh, We recognize that this could have been a very quiet decision. Uh, We could have moved along, nothing to see here (laughs) at sunrise, and maybe just a few people may have come up and just asked us about it because it's been in the news a little bit. Uh, But I'm speaking to you about it very openly for a couple different reasons. Number one, our church loves the island. We love Cayman. And and the fact that maybe only a handful of people would have come up and even mentioned the rally kind of speaks to the reality that some of us maybe need to get our hearts there to, to love the island and love what the people care about here on the island. We don't want to be a distant church who attends Sunday morning goes to a seven-mile beach brunch, and then retreats home until we come back again the next Sunday. That, that cannot be us. But we also wanted to bring this up this morning because we love God's truth. Our church loves God's truth. As evidence from this morning's message, uh, we don't want to be a church that only stands up and only speaks about the warm and fuzzy parts of the Bible without considering how God wants us to respond, often uncomfortably, in uncomfortable ways, to hard truths that he mentions here in the Bible. So if that's the case, then then why is it that we decided neither to promote and participate in this rally? The bottom line is that we, meaning Sunrise, would not be in control of the message that would be shared there. Uh, I I did express our desire to the leadership of the rally, uh, what we would want to have communicated if we were to be part of that rally. We would want a, a message that showed evidence of having listened to the LGBT community. We, we would want a simple message, not, not simple in that we would want to dumb down what is a very complex issue, but simple in the best sense, the, the cutting through some of the gray area and getting to the heart of God's purpose and plan for marriage. Simple in that way. We would also want a positive message, a message of what we are about as Christians, not a message of all those things we aren't about as Christians. So while I believe to my core, my colleagues leading this rally have good motivations, I believe that they are following their conscience as best they sense God leading, I felt like these three qualities I just mentioned were somewhat absent. We felt that way. I listened, I investigated the off-island speakers who would be coming, I even combed through a manuscript given to me that's going to be delivered at today's message, at today's rally. And we decided that these three uh, points, these three qualities of a message, listening, simple, positive, weren't fully there. 
So this leads me to the last thing I want to say this morning, which will be kind of the longest thing I want to say, and that is, so what message do we want to hold out specifically about marriage? And basically it's the three points I just mentioned. But I want to go through them with you so you can, I can not only explain them to you, but as you work through this issue with other people in your life, maybe people have questions, maybe you can take, take notes or take thoughts from this, and this will be online later to download for people who aren't here as well, and use them yourself. So first of all, we want to hold out a listening message, which may sound like an oxymoron. How can you be a message and also listening? What I mean is dialogue, real dialogue. How can we hold out our message if we haven't listened to the message of other people? To feel their pain, to understand their story, to know how our message might intersect. The elders and I couldn't just get together and make a decision on our own. We needed to listen. I needed to listen, and so do we. That means we need to listen to people who are third, fourth, seventh generation commandants, to listen to the the church and civil leaders of our country who've been here far longer than most of us here this morning. And and, and they've expressed legitimate concerns, legitimate concerns that, that yielding on the issue of gay marriage signals that we are looking to only to ourselves to judge what is true, what is just, and what is moral. And that is a problem. But we also need to listen to people who identify themselves as gay, lesbian, transgender. And no matter what you think of marriage, no matter what you think of marriage, chances are you don't know the pain and alienation experienced by someone who has grown up feeling that way, who has identified themselves as LGBT. One recent study from the UK found that among 16 to 24-year-olds who identify as LGBT, 42% have sought help for anxiety and depression. 52%, 52% report self-harm either now or in the past. 44% have considered suicide seriously. This is due to a history of not being listened to and understood. I sat down with a friend of mine over the last few weeks who had previously identified as LGBT and still cares deeply for that community. And he was telling me about a friend who himself identified as LGBT. He, this friend then trusted his life to Jesus. And the next week in church, he heard the pastor make sort of a, an offhand remark about being LGBT and the congregation responding with a few sort of chuckles at this offhand remark. And this friend felt that so deeply because of his past and the pain he experienced, he felt compelled to stand up and walk out of the service. And friends, we need to listen to those kinds of stories. I mean, I needed to hear that. So I needed to hear what it must have felt like to stand up in a church service and walk down the aisles of a church and leave because of the pain of what someone in charge of that church said. I need to hear that. You and I need to hear the impact. It's not just enough to know someone who's LGBT. We need to listen to their story. So we want to hold out a listening message. We want to hold out a simple message. And that is this, that a marriage between a man and a woman is designed to display the gospel in a way that no other human relationship can. In every relationship, whether it be with friends, co-workers, parents, child, someone with whom 
we just started interacting, we're supposed to display Jesus to that person as Christians. But God says he has a special plan for marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, he speaks to the Apostle Paul to say that a husband's job is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. In other words, to love her by laying down his life for her and in every decision considering his, her needs before his own. And that a wife's job is to submit to her husband just like the church responds to Jesus. And in marriage, this means honoring her husband, respecting his leadership, even when things aren't going perfectly. And they rarely do, do they, marriage? And is, are these roles that we have, these jobs that we have in marriage, easy? Not at all. Does it get messy? Like a chocolate-covered four-year-old just terrorizing your kitchen. It is that kind of messy when you get married. And that's why we so need the gospel in marriages. It reminds us of our need for Jesus. And maybe that's why one reason why when God speaks through the Apostle Paul about marriage, Paul has to simultaneously remind us that at the same time, he's talking about Jesus and the church. So he's, he's talking, you go back and look at Ephesians 5, he's talking about marriage, talking about marriage, and he says, yeah, but I'm talking about Jesus and the church. Why? Because these things are so intersected. The relationship between a man and a woman in marriage, and the relationship between Jesus and the church. Why is this so important? Because this issue is far bigger than physical intimacy, far bigger than asking government to legitimize an alternative relationship. Marriage is inextricably tied to God's central act in history. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That means that marriage is ultimately designed not to make us happy or to fill the voids in our heart, but to display a love relationship between Jesus and the church. For all those who've stopped reading this book, and people stopped reading it. And so marriage is given to be on the stage, on display, to show people Jesus and his love for the church. Think about how are people introduced to Jesus? Some of us hear about him, right? Like, like Brett preached this morning, we sang songs about Jesus. We, we heard about Jesus. Sometimes we read about Jesus in this book here, and articles, or, or books like we have in the book table on the back. But also we can see Jesus. And the reality is we live in a visual culture. More people learn visually than any other kind of learning style. Marriage more than any other relationship that is on display for others to watch. That's often negatively. People think to themselves, man, do they really love each other? Oftentimes, people wonder. They judge, they even gossip as they look at a marriage relationship. But it's also positively, right? Like, I love what they have. Or, man, 15 years, 25 years, 50 years. That is amazing for a marriage to last that long. And we celebrate that. So here's how I would simplify the message if and when I'm having a conversation with people about this. Marriage is about something bigger than us. It's bigger than you and me. His love or her love. God designed marriage between a man and a woman so people could watch the gospel in a way that they can't see in any other relationship. And finally, people are no longer reading the book. They're watching the movie. Marriage is the movie now playing at a theater near you in the theater of life. And that's what people are watching. And through that, they can see Jesus in the gospel. So again, it's bigger than us. Marriage helps us watch the gospel. People are no longer reading the book. They're watching the movie. It's got to be a simple message we communicate to people. This is what marriage is. And finally, it needs to be a positive message. 
At sunrise, we believe God changes hearts by grace. What do I mean by this? I mean that the message that God's rescue of us from death and his growing us for heaven is a free and unconditional gift. So after trusting Jesus, your responses to this gift may help you experience his love more. It may help you better participate in God's plan for here on this earth. But nothing you do or don't do can make God love you any more or any less. And that is a message that can really change people. Guys, it has changed me. Governments cannot legislate morality in people's hearts. Churches cannot change a life by applying public pressure. So in my country of origin, a number of Christians got together a few decades ago and said, if we get Christians elected into governments and to courts, well, then the overall morality of our country will surely change. It has to. And this was called in my country of origin the Christian right. And friends, the Christian right failed. They neglected to realize that only grace extended through Jesus can transform a life and even have hope to transform a society. More and more people shouting that your lifestyle is wrong, that we, you should change, you need to get on board. It didn't change lives. It only angered people and left them feeling alienated. We don't want to be about what's wrong with marriage, so let's be about what's right with marriage. We don't want to shout what's wrong with people, but shout what's so right about Jesus' love for them and for all of us. So in chapter 7 of Luke's Gospel, there's a story of a woman who visits Jesus in the home of a very religious person, a person who went to church faithfully, a traditional kind of Christian-like person. The, the religious person doubts that Jesus is the Son of God because he thinks, wait a minute, he must know that this is a woman of the city who's come into my home. By that he meant an adulteress, a prostitute, a sinner. Jesus knows exactly what this religious man's thinking, so he tells the man a parable about radical forgiveness and how that radical forgiveness is what changes a person. The religious man expected Jesus, guys, see, to, to, to make the woman wait outside. Maybe he talked to her in private later, or perhaps asked her to commit to cleaning up her life before he welcomed her in. But Jesus welcomes her as she is. He receives her as she is. He, he forgives her as she is as he does all of us who are equally sinners. So let's represent Jesus and be that kind of church. Pray with me if you would.